Welcome to Whippets and Flat Caps. This is episode four. We've got a great pod for you this evening. And we've been lucky enough to speak to two people with uh, fingerprints in the Southern Hemisphere. James Graham, England superstar and rugby league journalist Steve Mascord, who is now living in London. We've been chatting all things rugby league, but about the big stories. Wayne Bennett signing his new contract and staying on as England head coach. But James Graham Flash, now he's a funny guy, as we know. Great player, funny, ironic, looks a bit like Ed Sheeran, very pale. Yeah, I think he'll be a good guest. He's always got some interesting stuff to say. As well as speaking to Jammer, we've um, you know got other things coming on. Will Perry back next week? We're excited. Are we excited? Yeah, adequately. Yeah, we've got the World Club Challenge to discuss. Differences between the NRL and Super League and a couple of Super League matches to round up. Uh, what can we say about Melbourne Storm Flash? Just an, an immense performance from them against Leeds. Yeah, they were brilliant. I think um, the way they play, that they're relentless in their attack and defence. They didn't give Leeds much chance, even though they, they threw the ball around a lot and it was just a, a great performance by the Storm. Remember, download and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes or your podcast provider. And please follow us on Twitter, which is at WhippetsRL. So a few big stories today in, in rugby league, but, but none bigger than, than Wayne Bennett and, and him being kept on as, as England coach for, for a further two seasons leading up to a, a, the Great Britain tour in, in 2019. Flash, what you know? What, what do you take on that? Um, is that off the back of a great World Cup for him? And do you, would it was it a foregone conclusion that it, this this coach was going to get an extension? Uh, I don't think it was a foregone conclusion. Um... But after the um, after the World Cup and and how close we pushed Australia in the final, I think uh, it was it was the right decision to make. Um, we've got a pretty young squad there. The lads that played in the final are pretty young, so I think he's he's thought in his head that you know with with an extra couple of years of of him mentoring uh, and and those lads kind of reaching the potential, we could really really challenge Australia. And um, yeah, it's really exciting for English rugby league that that the, probably the best coach in the world is still in charge. Yeah, I think he was far from secure, actually. You know, if you're going back 12 months, I think the jury was still out with Wayne Bennett. I think one of his issues has been his, his public persona. Now, look, we know that privately and, and, and maybe professionally, people can appear differently and, and can have a different persona to the, to the press. Do you, do you think that's been one of the big challenges, selling Wayne Bennett to, to fans and to people? Is, is how dry and how... How serious, how unenthused he is about life in itself. It seems it does seem that way, but I think the powers that be at the rugby league would have would have known that before they gave him the job. He's always kind of acted in the same demeanour all through York's career. So um, I think it was just a, a results-based decision that they know that they'll probably get the best results with with Wayne Bennett in charge. And um, I'm sure the lads who, who play for him don't mind if if he's a bit, a bit cold in the media. It probably gives them an excuse to be equally as cold, which they'll, they'll probably like. But as, lo- as, as long as they're getting the results on the field and, and he's getting the best out of the players and it's a happy camp and by all accounts, the World Cup was, was a very happy camp. The, the lads really enjoyed each other's company and the results showed on the field, apart from just probably a few lucky decisions, un- unlucky uh, instances in the final, they might have taken it away from Australia. And we're, we're very fortunate tonight to be joined by Steve Mascord, a uh, rugby league journalist, uh, well acquainted with the game both but in both hemispheres Steve yeah, maybe you can shed some light on you know maybe the sort of bipolar nature of Wayne Bennett's uh, 
media personality is has he always been as dry as he as he comes across you know since he's been in the England position and, and as a journalist how how do you find that and what's your take on it hey guys how are you it's a pleasure to be on your show I've, I've heard lots about it so uh, cheers mate uh, yeah, um, yeah well, um, cheers Paul. Um, no I just um, I, I mean the thing about we've all got mates who are kind of like grumpy and people are drawn to them you know maybe when you're younger as well you know you go out and you kind of chasing girls and uh, and it's a, the guy who stands in the corner and minds his own business they, they, they gravitate towards him and it makes you really angry and I think uh, and I think Wayne Bennett like actually knows that that works on people he knows that creating this mystique means that when people get close to him they'll engage and they'll try to figure him out and that allows him to get people to uh, do what he wants I guess you know so I don't think it's um, by accident. I think everything with Wayne so is calculated. Yeah, you think um, it's manip- all- not not, mani- manip- not manipulative. That's the wrong way to say it. But you think there's method in, 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 in that approach. It's, it's not an apathy towards maybe an enthusiasm towards the job. It, there's actually a strategy behind his behaviour. 100%. You know, when, as a journalist, I mean, if you, if you, as a journalist, if you see Wayne, I've, I've sort of been dealing with Wayne since, I guess, the 80s, you know, uh, beginning of the 90s, and, uh, you know, you see before and after press conferences the other side of him, but also, you know, he does it with the media the same as he does with players in a way that he keeps you at arm's length, and then when there's when there's something, when he's trying to uh, distract the public from one thing, he suddenly, he, he'll just call, a, he'll do uh, interviews all day, or he'll, he'll ring you up cold, you know, and it's because he, he actually uses that, it's it is very calculating. It's in no way is it um, an accident. So you know, I think um, the one thing though that Wayne, a lot of the areas in which uh, Wayne operates, he does. He may not think he needs advice, but he does in a lot of areas. And one one of them was figuring out the uh, British media. The when he was on the BBC and he, he gave you know two word answers before <laughs> yeah, you know, left, a test left, match. I mean, he, he just doesn't understand and didn't understand the landscape here that most people watching would not be rugby league fans and they wouldn't think more of him by by doing that it didn't serve you know any purpose another time he said well you know there's a um he said well people here must be interested in rugby league there's a lot of you here at the press conference you know and he he sort of doesn't understand that with respect podcasters like us you the three of us never nobody's get into press conferences here but um at hospital radio gets into press conferences so now, uh, just because you've got a room full of people, it just means you're accrediting more people. It doesn't mean the audience is uh, you know, comparable to what it is in Australia. And these are the little nuances of uh, operating here that, that Wayne kind of, you know, didn't quite grasp. And because he doesn't let uh, people very close, he kind of uses that push and pull dynamic with just about everyone in his life. No one gets close enough to sort of tap him up and give him a bit of advice in these areas. Does he have a bigger responsibility, Steve? than being as cold as he is at times with the media. Is the job of national coach to to enthuse and engage with a wider audience? Like you said, Rugby League, we, we, we struggle for participation, for viewing figures, for commercial sponsorship. Does the, does the England coach, in your opinion, have more of a role than purely performance? Yeah, I think he, he does. Same as if you're, you know, I guess if I get, yeah, but then again, I would say, you know, the Melbourne Storm have a, a bigger duty to the game from a PR point of view than other NRL clubs because they're in, you know, uh, in, in, in non-rugby league territory and yet they don't operate uh, any differently than other NRL clubs. They don't stand out 
uh, on Olympic Boulevard and throw nets over passing journalists. You know, they, Craig Bellamy doesn't do more interviews than other NRL coaches, really, uh, more than Wayne. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's not uh, hard. You know, so, so, so we can say that, you know, you know, from our point of view as outsiders and as maybe people who want to encourage others to watch our sport, but the organisations themselves, including Nigel Wood, and that's the big thing, Nigel Wood's gone now and Wayne's still got uh, rehired. Um, you know, to them, all problems are solved by results, you know, and, uh, and, and obviously, uh, despite Nigel's departure... Um, that uh, philosophy remains. And there's been a lot of positivity about about Wayne Bennett in England during the World Cup. What was your take on on England's World Cup performance and and where, where yeah, did you feel the international you know, games go? I, I actually was at, at uh, um, in Perth with them when they arrived, went to their warm up game against uh, um, against the Western Australian side, and um, um, yeah, I thought they had a really really good tournament. They were better as the tournament went on. And, you know, I think that they, they aren't uh, very far from, from beating Australia again. So, you know, it was obviously, you know, an ankle tap away from at least uh, going to uh, Golden Point in, uh, in Brisbane. Wayne did a good job. And if it had been down to me, uh, I would have retained him. And, and, in fact, I would have done exactly um, what they've done is, uh, you know, to, to create a succession plan, retain Wayne for two more years and, and then have someone else in place. So... Uh, I, th- I think it is the right decision, and a good World Cup for England, like we said. But but the difference between the NRL and Super League is often talked about. Um, I think it's quite clear that, that, that there's obviously a gap in in performance at, at international level, and I suppose this week with with the World Club Challenge that that's been brought into focus again. Uh, with with Melbourne Storm putting in a, an impressive performance against Leeds in that World Club Challenge. Yeah, but let's not forget, like like an. I had someone on Twitter who said they were depressed about the three results uh, at the weekend. And it was a World Cup series at the weekend. No one could be bothered to put that label on it, but we did have three games. And um, put it in perspective, the NRL clubs spend £4 million more on players than the Super League clubs. You know, £4 million. So you have to ask whether um, it's even worth... Um, the games are even worth playing, but they are. They are worth playing. We can beat uh, Cronulla only last year and I agree with Ian Lennigan that there is an enormous uh, future in this concept and it's just hard to get the NRL clubs um, to agree or to get their heads around uh, just how beneficial it is for the sport but you know and at the moment these games are covered by existing TV agreements if we can if we can sort of wriggle out of the existing TV agreements then suddenly I think everyone will come to the party because there'll be media there'll be media rights involved and you know if, if Sky and, and Channel 9 and Fox don't have the right to these matches. If somehow we can we can um, uh, market them uh, independently, then I think everyone will want to be involved because there'll be money to be had. You know, every time a professional rugby league player crosses a sideline, you know what he does or she uh, does in in the future. I guess uh, the, the growth of women's game should be leveraged. We should be selling media rights. You know, we should be have sponsors. We should be charging to get in. We should be playing them in places where who want to get serious, you know, league games in future. You know, we should be working together. So, uh, you know, I, I think the, the international club competition is definitely, you know, has a lot of potential, as does nine and all these other things that are neglect, neglected because we're, we're all got our eyes on the sort of, you know, the shimmering, you know, light of the Super League and NRL. Uh, and if they're worth X, then all the stuff around it that might be just a step down from it is still worth Y. And do you do you see that then? Is that is that the future for rugby league an international club set up rather than than an you know a 
country versus country, you know, that the international representing, you know, what, what, let's be honest, the World Cup, although we have it, 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 it rugby league is, has a limited footprint across the globe. Do you think an international club competition is, is the future? Just from what your question, I think your answer to that question yeah, sorry. is more interesting than mine, because <laughs> you obviously have some definite thoughts on it. My, my thoughts are, um, and maybe after I'm finished, you can tell the listeners what you think, because, I mean, I think we, we're lucky at the, you know, we do have a part of the season where we have club competition, and we, you know, we do, like to have teams playing behind closed doors, or to have them playing at suburban ovals, or, the, you know, in this country, in their home ground, uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's a complete waste, you know, like uh, when we could be using the preseason to leverage uh, our sport and to take it uh, to new markets and to at least go to uh, places where they don't get comp games. So I, I'm happy with that. I, I know from the time I spend here and I spend a lot of time trying to convince my Aussie friends of what it's like. I'm in London now. I'm on a, I'm walking, walking down the street in, in Ballam in South London. And I know the only time rugby league crosses people's uh, radar here is Maybe Charles Cup, which has faded a lot, as we all know, but definitely when New Zealand or Australia come to London and they play England and everyone's aware of it, it gets a, a big page lead in the in the in the uh, in the national broadsheets uh, and there's billboards, you know, on the tube sometimes and and all that sort of stuff, and 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 that's why internationals are important. You're not going to uh, get London excited, uh, you know, about Manly playing Wakefield or something, or even Wigan playing Brisbane. Um, you know, International Rugby League does cut through. Get him off the field! That was diabolical! Yeah, interesting to chat with, with Steve Mascord there. Um, look, there's a few talking points off the back of that. And it, what, I think a big talking point, obviously, uh, Wayne Bennett, um, his using the Moody card to attract females. Now, you know, is that something that you've done in the past, Mark? I might have done in the past before I was uh, married. But uh, not anymore. Those days are long gone. <laughs> True. But I'll, I'll have got this uh, weird image of Wayne Bennett just being moody in press conferences to attract females, and uh, I, I can't see it working. Uh, it, he's got a very deliberate delivery. And interesting, Steve Mascot thinks that's that's that's. Well, it happens a lot in football, doesn't it? You, I think Fergie and was 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 a master of it back in the day when they, if they were struggling, he'd he'd probably start an argument with Arsene Wenger and all the press would, would be on the back of that whereas the probably issues going on within the squad at Man United that you know that, and the attention was deflected from them so um yeah I think he's he's a he's been around the block for a fair few years a, a bit like yourself John so he, he's a wily old cat um and a wily old cat yeah a wily old cat that's <laughs> good we haven't oh. I'm having that um, so I think he's probably learnt over the years and it seemed to work at the World Cup because he, he probably got the best out of his players I just find it sometimes a little bit painful to listen to him um, I feel like it sometimes the delivery although it might well be trying to be short and obtuse and to try and to get people offside or, or even as Steve Mascot suggested to draw people in when he starts Getting in the really slow delivery, yeah, that's great. One word answers here, it's you great, know. Mate. Yeah, he's a great player. Bloody good player, yeah, mate. He's a good player. Like when it gets like that, I think um, is there more to being a head coach than 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 that, or, or you know, as part of being a head coach, using distraction techniques such as interviews like that. Because at the moment, what we're doing is talking about his media persona, not the fact that he got some great results in the World Cup. So, um, is that not our negative mentality of the UK? We always will we'll, we'll, um, we'll prioritise and highlight the negative aspects rather than 
say, say how good he was. Um, I think if Nigel Wood and, and the board at the RFL... Um, before, Nigel Wood's gone. Yeah, prior to the World Cup. Oh, prior when, to the when, World they, Cup. when they hired him. Yeah, Nigel Wood was still there. Yeah, when he's still there, he's not... Him, him and his trousers have gone now. Um but if they'd said, you know, with in the World Cup final there'd be six nil down with ten minutes to go against Australia, would they take that and have a a grumpy, miserable coach at the helm? Yeah, um, they, they'd what, definitely take that, I think. What, ma- they? what makes a good coach then flash? You you've had have a I few. Just, just, you've had a few. Yeah, but have I just you know ruined my chances of, of a, a call up this year by calling him a no, I think the chances were already gone. No, I think that rugby, was it. Rugby it's league's gone. rugby league's journeyman Mark Flanagan. You've seen a lot of coaches. Four like, clubs. Four, not, yeah, uh, quite a few clubs. What Makes a good coach. There's, well, you can. Well, man management, I think, understanding people, um, and that emotional intelligence of of knowing how to get the best out of people and 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 treating them um, the same, and having a, a common theme throughout the, the squad, but then also knowing the nuances of each individual player, where it's, where you might have to alter that that approach a little bit. And, yeah, I think probably throughout your career, you having worked with a fair few coaches, you probably you take a little bit of each of them and pull it all together because all people have the strengths and weaknesses, and there's there's no perfect coach, I don't think, is there? No, but I think one thing that Wayne Bennett does is he he's galvanised the England squad behind him. I've not heard a group of players speak so positively about a coach's involvement. Now, this is where we were saying it's almost bipolar. The, the media perception of Wayne is, I believe, a big part about distracting people away from his team, taking the pressure off his team. And actually, um, you know, you see shots of him on the team bus. He sits at the back in the centre. He's in the middle of all the the sort of crack that's going on on the team bus, down to training, down to games. Um, So, yeah, I'm really encouraged to be supported that my opinion is the same as Steve Mascot's, that, you know, Wayne is, is an absolute... Genius in 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 what how he puts himself across, and it's not apathy towards his job or apathy towards growing the game that that he he comes across like that. It, it's part of a game that he's playing, and it's purely based on performance. It's the results based industry, yeah. yeah so and, and the lads who who played with him in the World Cup have been so positive about Wayne Bennett. Yeah. So it's you know a two year contract for him. He goes into now twenty nineteen uh, Great Britain Lions uh, tour in twenty nineteen, and Wayne Bennett will, will lead lead uh, the national team into into that and I think a reflection upon uh, some great work in the World Cup but and interestingly I, th- I think um, it's been reported that he's going to keep the same backroom staff so the likes of Dennis Betts Paul Wellens our mate um, I mean Jamie Peacock Kevin Sinfield was probably taking a, a more of a, a a role within within the back of the house but having those same people in there there's a bit, bit more continuity with it. Will, will hopefully kind of yeah. Let's be honest. Th- those guys actually had all the Super League experience. So like, if we think Wayne Bennett sat in a, an office in Brisbane watching every minute of every game of Super League and watching all the players, I think that's mad. Wayne Bennett's got an analyst. I'm pretty sure his analyst is feeding back stats, reports, uh, clips of the players he wants to look at. But for me, Paul Wellens, Jamie Peacock, Dennis Betts deserve as much credit as Wayne Bennett because they provided all of that link into our ethos over here, the way we play the game in this country and also uh, you know, the background information on players, what makes players tick and I, I think that was as crucial in the World Cup as maybe Wayne Bennett's guiding sort of philosophy over it all. But on that Super League and the differences maybe between NRL, we, we had the World Club Series flash yeah. and, and St George played Hull 
South Sydney played Wigan and then obviously we had Melbourne Storm play Leeds in, in the big one, the World Club Challenge. Let's start with St George and Hull. What, uh, what, what was your take on, on that? Um, I, I always thought St George would win it. Um, looking at the, the team they put out and the signings they made in the off-season, um, they looked strong. I think Hull um, were hindered a little bit. They, they copped a fair few injuries against Wigan in the, in, in the Super League feature they play, played over there. But um, it, was, it was still a good contest and um, Hull unfortunately went down at the end. Yeah, I thought Liam Watts was, was awesome for Hull. Yeah, like, was. He, the, this is thing now in, in, in modern rugby league where your front rowers have to be able to play and will... Uh, you know, we'll look at some of the great front rows who can who can play, who can ball play. James Graham being one of them, but but Liam Watts for me in that game showed his versatility. Gets his hands on the ball in positions where you're not expecting a front row. To and touch and what the ball. Watts does really well is he he can play pre-line, so he can play before the line and, and put someone through a hole. But he's also got really good offload games. So if he doesn't make that play, he can go into contact, attract two or three defenders, and still get an offload away. So I think having the capabilities to play pre and post line. Um, and attract so many defenders is what makes him so good and I think he's he's probably a player that's improved massively over these last few years uh, and Lee Radford's obviously had a, a big impact on that Yeah, another player, Albert Kelly for me uh, a player, you know, the whole FC halfback who creates things as an instinctive approach to the game uh, finds space, turns up where you're not expecting him to creates breaks, opportunities and, and he did that against St George and St George are a, a well-drilled defensive team so you know, Albert Kelly well putting his hand up there for, for, a, for a return back to the NRL when his Hull FC contract finishes. I think if you talk about X Factor in, in the Super League, I think he's probably the one player that typifies that more than anybody. He's, he's electric on his day, as well as myself. I've, yeah, he yeah. probably, and Silver though. Um, I've been watching the Winter Olympics, as you can tell. Um, but <laughs> so yeah, Will. yeah, so as well. Uh, but yeah, on the ball, if he gets half a chance, he's so strong and athletic and quick. Um, and he's he's skillfully he backs himself and, and he comes up with some massive players for Hull. Yeah, I think Hull will be a threat this year. They're, they're, they're a big, a big team, a skillful team. And like I said, with uh, Watts Kelly um, plays in form, I, I think they'll they put a miles better account of themselves. Actually, I thought they were the standout performance from the from the British teams in the World Club series. We had South Sydney play Wigan. That was both sides had weakened teams didn't they it, yeah it, it, it felt a, like a friendly did, because yeah, there, there was a lot of rotation from both teams there was lads playing 15 20 minutes coming off um and it just didn't seem like um it was an 80 minute performance by either side it was fits and starts and um yeah probably not the best game of the weekend in my opinion no the big one then the the world club challenge um it was a huge task for Leeds actually to go out there and get get a win, especially against such a disciplined side side as Melbourne Storm. You were telling me some stats when I was half listening and half falling asleep because you're boring. What what were your stats that you wrote down in your little your little notepad? Over? Um, well, boring Mark Fanning has got some great stats here. Um, well, in the twenty years that Melbourne have have, have been in in the NRL, um, they've reached eight grand finals in twenty years. Um, a couple of them. They got in trouble for the salary cap breaches. But so they cheated. They che- well, they cheated, yeah, yeah. For, for a couple of years. But even five or six grand final appearances in 20 years in such a competitive competition as the NRL, in a newly formed team, in a minority sport in, in Melbourne, which it is, because it's, it's AFL mad in, down in Melbourne. So Melbourne Storm is, is quite, a, quite not unheard of, but it's, it's not a big, big dominant force. Um, and it just, I think it just shows the dynasty that's, that's, that's been at, at, at the Storm. Um, and you, you, in sport, you, you think about the New England Patriots, the Chicago Bulls, you know Man United and Liverpool during those glory days, and to have such a successive 
um, period of, 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 of success um, and, and, and wins and just always being there or thereabouts is massive. And um, I think during that 20 years, they've, they've had a lot of different combinations. And, and when we saw at the weekend, probably a new combination starting between Cameron Smith and Billy Slater, who are coming to their end of their careers, uh, and the young halfback Brodie uh, Brody Croft, who, who's replacing Cooper Cronk. And I thought he was an absolute carbon copy of Cronk. Looked a bit younger, uh, better hair. I thought I was quite jealous watching him play. <laughs> I was going to say, um, but he just—he was—he played exactly the same. He was, yeah, he was, he was uncanny actually. Wasn't yeah. it? The way the way he um, conducted himself, the way he turned up, the way he linked with Smith and Slater. I think actually it speaks volumes for for Cameron Smith and Billy Slater. The way that they have developed a relationship with a new halfback so quickly, and it looks like they've been playing together for ten years. And yeah. Cooper Cronk going, I think when he left, I think one thing I've always thought about Melbourne is they've had a combination of workmanlike players and brains, yeah. and and they've always had a spine that's probably the smartest rugby players in the world. Mm. So rugby league players. So we've got Billy Slater, a great athlete, but for me one of the smartest fullbacks in terms of his positional player, where he turns up. Cameron Smith, without doubt, probably the best hooker. In, in Without doubt, probably. Well, without doubt, sorry. I'll re- re- yeah, rephrase that. We'll cut that, bit. we'll cut that bit. Without doubt, the best hooker in the world, or yeah. has been for, for a number of years. years. Um, and then they had Cooper Cronk. And those guys, their understanding of the game was is insane. Mm. But when Cronk went, I think I was interested to see how that, that um, settled down. But... but you know, in, in that game against Leeds where they won 38 points to four, once the initial heat had gone out of the game and you thought Leeds looked a bit threatening, they were throwing the ball around offloading, Joel Moon was wandering around running laterally that looks dangerous all the time. Once that heat had gone out of the game, Melbourne yeah. were so meticulous with yeah. how they played. They're relentless the way they play. They just they, they must complete at 85-90% every single game. And they just they just relentless with the same players, and they just take their opportunities. And but you say that like, and I think when you say that, you think they're a boring side. But, but when not. I watch them, no. I, I'm I'm never bored by them. No. Statistically, that if you look at numbers, which we do in sport all the time, and something I love actually is just looking at numbers. Like a number, you know, tells you nothing. It's not. You know, sport's beautiful. It's a million details. It takes the try, context. We out, try and boil it all down to numbers. But in terms of numbers, Melbourne Storm are statistically the most efficient, best, most consistent team. And you usually associate that with teams that don't play conservative in the nature. Uh, but Melbourne Storm have found a way to play that I believe is, for 20 years to be at the top, they, they've been playing the game differently to everybody else. And I believe everyone's been chasing that sort of style and not really got there. And the reason is Cameron Smith... Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk are the bits you can't replicate anywhere else. Yeah, very true. And the young halfback Flash, he's got a massive future, hasn't he? Yeah, he looks a great player and he's, it's obviously looked like he's been bred well and been following Cooper Cronk around for the last few years and, and learning from the best because they would have known these three players are going to retire at some point. So they would have put contingencies in there these last four or five years, I'd imagine, just to, to obviously you can't replace players like that, but to, to, to have people to come in and and bring their own shoes rather than step into theirs and, and, and do their own game, but just to fill that similar void that they'll, they'll lose. Yeah, I think in summary, there's a, there's a big gulf in the club game, and, and as Steve Mascot said, a £4 million difference in spending is a big part of that. There's a huge participation of, in rugby league in, in, in Australia. I don't think we'll ever close that gap. 
those are the challenges that we face um, and, and those are probably some of the reasons why we're not as competitive at club level and probably never will be at, you know, with, with the clubs in the NRL. That being said, uh, international, internationally we gave it a great crack. How are we doing, lad? You all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Hey, mate, how are you doing? Right. Do you remember last time you were in and you and Tom were singing Everton Tom songs at half past three on a Monday afternoon? Uh, yeah. Kind of. Right, lad, we'll only be ten minutes, so we'll start now. So we're here with James Graham from St George Illawarra, former teammate of mine. Jammer, how are we doing? I'm all right. All the better for, for hearing uh, your and Flash's voices, I do, must say. Do you, do you mean that? Or is it a, do you don't mean that, do you? No, no, it's, uh, it's, always, it's always a pleasure, mate. It's always a pleasure. Uh, fond memories. Fond memories, fond mate. Memories. So what are you doing Privileged now? Privileged times, what? Don. Privileged times. We did when we had fewer responsibilities and drank a lot more than we do now. Have you got any good stories about Wilco, just while we're on the subject, Jammer? Um, I, I don't know. It depends. What the the sort of age the, the age of the listeners He's eighteen are, and over this this podcast, so eighteen and above. Um, not not I don't know. Just I guess it's kind of one of them. You have to be there. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we and we weren't there, and, and I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was there, and it's funny to me. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, how, how did you find the uh, the game against uh, Hull? Obviously, the, the World Club Series, English teams coming down under. How, how was that, and how was it received in, in Australia? Yeah, it was. It was received really well. Um, like honestly, I, I've got to say, like the, I thought the Hull fans and the Wigan fans were outstanding. But I've played A and Z like a, a lot of times. A and Z stadium a lot of times, and there's not been too many people there. It's, it's, there's not that much atmosphere, but the whole fans just didn't stop singing the whole time. And I was there at the game in, uh, in, in Wollongong, Hull against Wigan. I thought the atmosphere was fantastic. Uh, as a game itself, you know, it was, it was our first sort of real game of the year. So, you know, we were a little bit, a little bit, um, you know, a little bit off the pace maybe, but, you know, you've got, I, I thought Hull were fantastic, to be honest, uh, especially when you consider, you know, they've got probably, you, you know, at least, So you've been in Australia forever now, mate. Obviously, Canterbury for a number of years now. Now at St George, what, in your experience, are the key differences between the NRL and Super League? And you know, how how do you think you know maybe we might close that gap this side of the world? Um, well, I, I don't necessarily think that there's that there's a gap to close, John. I, I think that you, you know I'd be lying if, if I said there wasn't differences. I think that I think the game in England, to be honest, is, is probably. A little bit more expansive, you know. That's something that a lot of our players talk about after the game in, in terms of how much, how much Hull were, were willing to shift the ball. And you know, even looking, you know, and and to be fair, to, to Hull credit, they they really completed high as well against us. The game the weekend before when Hull played Wigan, you know, there, there was a lot of shift. Uh, there was probably more errors in that game. I think just looking at it, and and, and it's hard because I'm not there week in week out. But I just probably think that the consequence for errors in, in Super League is probably less in terms of the consequence for errors over here. Yeah, I think if you if you make a mistake here, you, you're generally punished for it. Um, and 
you a good 10 minutes to get back into, or, or 10 sets maybe to get back to where you were. I'm just guessing at these numbers, by the way. Yeah, um, no, it sounded like I that. think the consequence for errors back in, back in the Super League isn't as severe. Yeah, so you moved obviously from from Canterbury to St George. You, you know, you you getting you know you're getting on now, mate. Like, what? How do you find that going into a new dressing room at at, at your age? Uh, I know you're a big personality and you've got your own very unique sort of ways in the dressing room. But how did you find that? Were, were you nervous or what? Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, I'm not gonna liken it to going into a new school or anything. It's totally different, but. I don't know. I've only it's something I'd only ever done once before, and that was obviously a huge move. Being you know the only English lad moving to an Australian club this time, you know I was fortunate that I knew a few of the few of the men that that played St George, and that that was different the time before. So it wasn't as nerve wracking, but I guess you've got to hold back a little bit on on your personality and your and stuff like that, and just going going track on the training field as much as you can you have to hold that personality back quite a lot I'd imagine and how are you doing on the training field especially you know with your your skin and your your hair you must be wearing factor 30 factor 50 well safety first flash safety first (laughs) Um, yeah it's one of the um, it's just part of the ritual isn't it over here Um, plenty of zinc on lift flop slap and all that crap so yeah yeah, it's got to be done unfortunately or I look like uh, a an overgrown lobster Jerry the Berry who dyes your hair out there Jammer I know you used to get your hair dyed in Bootle <laughs> back in Liverpool so what What? you know I imagine one of the first things you did when you, you went over to Australia was find a good a good hair technician who can, can uh... yeah it, it, well, it, it, it was very important isn't it John um, <laughs> well we know Martin Flashland so what are you doing now mate you just you got a recovery session today what's, what's on the cards yeah we've got um, a little bit of a um, swimming at the beach and then um, we've got some weights after that so it's a bit of a light today today you know, we're, we're on pretty much game week now because we've got a, a big a big pile against um, or a big friendly against South Sydney on the weekend so yeah big news with Wayne Bennett obviously getting two years and extension on his contract we've been just chatting over here about his personality how he comes across in the media now obviously good mate of ours Paul Wellens he, he's been keeping me up to date with the differences behind Wayne's public persona in the English press and he's, he's maybe his persona behind the scenes. Can you give us a bit of insight into into the differences? What you see is not what you get, is it? I think that's, that's clear on most. Like, you know, you, you, I'll use you, for example, the polite, very well-spoken man <laughs> that comes across on the BBC, and you think, oh, he's a nice man. <laughs> oh, you know. he's a very nice man. The, the, reality, of, the reality of it is, is if you put 10 pints of Guinness in, so it becomes... He comes one of the biggest pests on the known universe. <laughs> uh, so you know what what you see isn't always what you get. I think I think with Wayne, he's um, yeah, it's not. I wouldn't call it like split personality, but he just he knows how to play the game. He's he's got to front up and be very serious to the media. That that's that's his role. That's his that's his persona. That's how he's what wants to be perceived. You know you know, but, but I think. That'd be. A, I think you see it with most coaches that are of that ilk. You know, I think if you spoke to most of the, the playing group underneath them, whether it be in our sport or any sport, you know that there is a, a softer side, a funnier side, and you know, very different to the, to the one that they give in the media. Now, Jamal, how long have you signed at, um, the, the Dragons for, Paul? Is, is there any chance that you might want to come back to Super League in these next few years? Yeah, well, I've. Um, 
I've I've signed for for the next three seasons, so hopefully hopefully that you know after that it's not the end. At the minute, I think I'd love to keep playing. I don't like to to put like a ceiling on it or or to say right, I'm definitely I'm definitely just tying after this. I guess you've just got to like at the time of me signing, I felt like I had three good seasons left, and and that's how it was then. But I guess you you sort of have to reassess, and there's so many different factors in that. You know about about where you'd want to be if you want to keep playing or not, you know, potential jobs that are available in the game now or potential jobs that are available somewhere else. You know, you'd be stupid to just maybe, or you'd be, you'd be very brave, sorry, to just play one more year for the sake of it if there was a good employment opportunity available. And, and yeah, so there's so many different factors to take to take into consideration. But Super League something I'll, I've definitely not shut the door on. Part of me would love to go back and play for St. Helens again one day, but... You know, I guess we'll just see. You're a big fan of the Mick Morgan commentary um, in which Kelvin Skerritt attacks Dean Sampson. If there was a part of that commentary, James, I could ask you to cite as your favourite, which which part of that commentary would it be? My favourite part of that commentary isn't actually from Mick Morgan. Uh, and this is probably going to show you how many times I've watched it. So, well, there's two parts. It's all the same. I think it's... I, I can't remember who the hooker is for Castleford. But I think he actually gets the ball, gets the play wrong. I think he jumps the wrong way and passes it to uh, uh, Russell, Russell Ford. I think. Yeah, Richard uh, Russell. Richard Russell. Yeah, he he, he, run, he he jumps the wrong way. But then when that move's actually taking place, if you listen carefully on the commentary, you can hear a fan, it's picked up on the mic. He goes, good move, this. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, mate. It's great to speak to you. Enjoy your swim, pal, and we'll catch up soon. All right, lads. Take it easy. Good to speak to you. Cheers, lads. See you, pal. Oh, what about that? Send him off! Send the drifting edge off! Yeah, awesome to chat with Jammer there. Um, I'd probably say the least likely guy I've played with that I thought would go down under, but he was that talented. He he had, had to go, really. Yeah, and he's been he's been revered down there. They've 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 really held him in the highest of esteem. Um for a number of years the two two front rows in the game were him and Sam Burgess and um the way he, he, he ball plays as well as, as carries the ball and his, his fitness is he's, he's still playing great rugby so it's great to see another English lad do, doing the goods. Yeah, and when we dyed his hair black and his eyebrows black after the two thousand six grand final, I think that still is my favourite image. He was on the field at homecoming with black hair and black eyebrows. Did he go mad? He went mad, yeah. yeah. He went. He absolutely lost it. Uh, which is, look, Jammer, he's a fiery... Well, he's a redhead, Cumbrian. His dad's Cumbrian, his mum's a scouser. Now, those things all putting together are just like... It's essentially gunpowder. Um, so, whenever he does get the chance to blow up, as we've seen throughout his career, he can. Uh, don't forget to download and subscribe this podcast. It's Whippets and Flat Caps, and that can be downloaded from any podcast provider. Um, Super League's been going on a couple of games, Flash, in Super League this, this week as well. Um, we had Witness Warrington, who finished 18 10 to, to Warrington at, at Witness. Um, it was a good game. This I, I watched most of it. Um, it's 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 a good pitch to play on, I think, because it promotes a good brand of rugby. It's, it's always well, if even if it's a bit wet, the the, the ball's still still in good good condition. And you can throw it through, throw it around. And I thought Widnes played a really expansive game, but Warrington defended really well and 
probably the best I've seen the defendant in, in a long time, especially last season when they were leaking a lot of points. Um, there's a bit of niggle in the game. There's a, f- a few little scuffles, which is always good to see. Uh, and the big incident was was the Chris Houston um, was was put on on report how for a collision. He, how old does he look, by the way? He looks. He's, he's only. I tell you how old he looks. He looks older than you, and that's saying something. Well, you mate, you're the one that's losing your hair, well, pal. So look, you've got more wrinkles than a prune, lad. Yeah, I'm happy with that. It's just I'm weathered, but not past my best. <laughs> honest, honest. Lies. <laughs> yeah, no. The, the, look, the incident itself is genius, isn't it? Look, I felt sorry for Phil Bentham. Why Phil Bentham all the time? The play, got, players have got like just they've got the crosshairs on Phil Bentham. Well, Houston's got, got him twice now. <laughs> same fixture it's, last year. Same fixture. <laughs> He, he got um, Phil Bentham. And after watching the replays, I don't think... It looks like he's looking at the ball and it looks like um, it was an accident. But, yeah, it's a bit of a coincidence. It's more than a coincidence. Well, actually, a few weeks ago, you put the ref cam in the sin bin. Now, for the one time I've, I've actually seen its use was this match because the <laughs> footage, the footage of <laughs> Phil Bentham falling over with the ref cam is unbelievable. <laughs> Do you know what? The, I know this isn't funny, and it, look, I know Phil personally, so he, you know it's definitely. Oh, friend, friend. Oh, referee, friends friend, like referee, me, friend. like me, pathetic. He's the only um, one that does like you. They all hate you. Well, that's cause, what because I ask questions of them. Well, it's the way. It's the way. It's not what you say. It's the way you say it, John. No, it's not. It's asking questions. You're, if you don't like the questions, you're very I'm condescending asking. in the way you say <laughs> you, it. You are. You are. Um, look, Phil Bentham uh, with two physios with their arms round him, leading him off the field. Um, you know that. You know you've had a bad, he's had a bad day. It, Chris Houston has, has, has Houston's nailed him, hasn't he? Um, and he's, he's got a two-week ban actually off the back of that. So that's not. You know that's that's big, isn't it? I think yeah. we've had we've had incidents where there's contact with the referees. I think Ryan Bailey pushed a referee a few years back. Uh, Gashock did it a few times. Gashock did it by accident. Yeah, um, and and this is following on from that. You can't touch referees. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the biggest, probably the funniest incident. Great result for Warrington. They look clunky with the ball still. Yeah. Uh, I think Widness, like I said, we can't bang on about this too much. I think Witness, bang for buck, are, are, are doing well. Difficult to play witness at home. I agree with you that the the eye pitch, the bounce of the ball on there, the your kicking game. I think when you get Mellor, when they get Lloyd White back in the side and and whatnot, I, I think witness will, will be a threat at home. Other game was Hull KR. Catalan finished twenty three four to the the Robins. Um, Your old club, it, yeah, my old club, my boyhood uh, club. My father still supports them. Phil and Carol Wilkin, big fans of the Robins. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't. He lives close. He's just a humble pig farmer down the road. Hull KR 23, Catalan 4. Catalan was shocking. Yeah, there were a lot of errors early in this game. Um, it wasn't a great spectacle, to be honest. Um, yeah, they don't seem to be playing with much fluidity, uh, Catalan. I, I know you played against them last week, but they, uh, it was a bit of a scrappy game. And yeah, I think Sean Lunt played really well. He, they've got a pretty big pack, though, with Moss, Big Mossy Masoy and Ben Cavan, who played well. Um, and I think they've got two smart nines there in Tommy Lee and, and Sean Lunt. And, and Lunty had a really good game for them. Yeah, look, I thought uh, Catalan, when they control the ball, they control the ball against us. Uh, we had a man sent off. They had the penalty count in the favour. When all those things go in the favour, and they usually do for Catalan at, at their place, don't they? I yeah. think they're a tough side to play against. You come to Hull KR, um, they had the wind in the sails. I think they look fit, Hull KR, um, and, and look too quick at times for Catalan. I, th- I think they really struggle to contain contain well, them, especially around the rook. Like you said, they had Lund, Tommy Lee, uh, who were smart players around the rook, and they carved Catalan to shreds, really. And Mo- I think Mossy looks, looks like he's lost about 12 kilos by all accounts. And, and it's uh, half, 
Half the money. Half was. the money. But he's gone vegan, apparently. So, yeah, I think when we were at Saints, he struggled to get his weight down. Uh, he played a lot bigger than he is now, and apparently he's gone vegan. He's, he's stripped a lot of body fat, and he looks in good nick. So. There's a few guys do it, because Mullally at, at Leeds. He's, yeah, all the he's Leeds lads take the piss out of him, don't they? What, There's nothing vegan? wrong with being a vegan, by the way. No, but well, we, we own a coffee shop. The te- uh, one, the, an award-winning coffee shop in Manchester. Pardon? We, we, an award-winning coffee shop that we own in Manchester, Mark. Oh, yeah, I forgot then, yeah. Yeah, um, and we, we offer a lot of vegan dishes. So for the growing number of vegans in rugby league, please call down to Pot yep. Kettle Black. Black. <laughs> <laughs> no, look. How could I think it's mad because you brought up actually believing that protein and meat protein is is a huge part of your diet as a, as a contact sports player, right? Yeah, well, you can substitute with a lot of things, but it's just I think getting to the mindset of doing it. Are we talking about is this a food podcast now? No, no, it's just interesting yeah. that Mossy Maso, a guy who I played with, who was bigger than Russia and stronger than cider, is now a vegan and can of cider. Well, uh, yeah, white lightning. Yeah, good, good. Um, so yeah, no two two results in in Super League. Everybody's else else has had the weekend off. Flash, I know you've had a hectic weekend, haven't you? Yeah, I got promised um, a bit of a day session with my best mate Adam. Adds you, you know. I know Adam. Um, supposed to have a few beers. Um, he's actually my brother-in-law, so I went round to his house, um, and his three nieces were there, and they needed looking after. So instead of having a few beers, I was babysitting all afternoon. It's an ambush. Ambush. Yeah, I so- was. I was duped. Yeah, Paul Wellens, uh, St. Helens legend. He is he is a, a, an architect of the ambush. He can't. He hasn't got the balls to negotiate with his missus that you're going out for a pint with him. So what he does is gets you to his house, sits you in his living room, and makes the atmosphere that awkward that his missus asks him then to leave and go for a pint with you. <laughs> oh, what's is the it, other one that he does? If if you want to go out. He gets you to text his missus by accident. Yeah, yeah, pretending that, you, you know that game where you text the wrong person, so you yeah. say, hi, Paul, yeah, sorry you can't come out, Rachel's being difficult about things, but um, if you couldn't, if anything changes and she has a change of heart, let me know. But it's an ambush. And but he been, sends that to her, you send yeah, that to I her, send that about to Rachel, accidentally yeah, on purpose. Yeah, but now she knows about it. In fact, she's not going to download or subscribe this no, podcast. But everybody else she, should. They should, indeed, And yes. come to Pot Kettle Black. Yeah, that, that's about it tonight from uh, Whippets and Flat Caps. Um, Will you. Perry's back next week. He Exciting. Back lots, from Pyeongchang. Lots of stories. Um, Before we finish the Simbin. Oh, good, yes. Well reminded, Mark. We've we have, taken um, the ref camp out of the Simbin for, just for, for one instance. Okay. Um, just for the, the ref so, camp. Mark Flanagan, this week, episode four, what is in the Rugby League Simbin? Um, putting people on report, I think it's a massive cop-out. I think if if referees don't want to make a decision, <laughs> they put people on report. Now after the game, the the game is watched back anyway by uh, a, a match committee who can make decisions and put give bans to people. But I think if there's a tough de- decision to be made, quite often people get put on report instead of sim- actually not, simbin and sent off. Does it not serve a purpose where they haven't seen enough of it? We haven't. We're not every not every game is televised, is it? There's not enough cameras. to Well, pick well, that's what on. I mean. Well, if you've not seen it, then just don't do anything, and then the, the post match committee will, will have a look at it. But I think people they do see it, but then they get a bit scared. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, th- I agree with that. But I think I actually think it's got a part to play. Flash, I do. But I think it can be frustrating, isn't it, when when you're in a game where there's a big because yeah, quite often like someone will take a cheap shot injure another player that player mm. gets carried off the other team are disadvantaged and then the decision gets put on report I just think it can be at times a bit of a cop out yeah controversial well going into the Simbin this week for me is um, almost military car park attendance at rugby league matches 
Um, yeah, so good. parking at a rugby league ground is more difficult than than you know parking anywhere in the world. Do you not try and blag it? We do blag it, but my mum and dad have been driving the best part of three hundred mile round trips to come on a Friday night, <laughs> and blagging the way into a car park at St Helens is possibly what the hardest. They're not thing s- to more negotiate. special than the other spectators, are they? No, they're not. But well, they are the the, the mother what, and father what, of the former captain. What I'm they? saying, what I'm <laughs> the former, well and truly former ex captain, ex. Are you vice? Um, I've got a lot of vices, Mark. Um, are you the vice? I don't, I don't think I'm the vice. No. We know you, you've got vices. Um, look, I, I believe rugby league car park attendants are, are, are ruthlessly efficient at the job. And I, all I'm looking for is a bit of a human touch when I go to a rugby league ground. Sorry, John, you can't or park Or even here. the point where you go in and do media stuff, if I'm doing stuff with the BBC or Five Live or whatnot, they pull into the ground and you're made to feel okay, like... Okay, I'm going to ask you one question. Have you ever said... Do you not know who I am? Have I? Look, contrary to reports we play I've heard, league, about nine people listen to this, and about a thousand people. I used to watch. be the captain in that ground. <laughs> have you ever said that? No, I've said that a few times to myself. I'm just talking to myself when I say that. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Uh, this has been Whippets and Flat Caps. Thank and you. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.